Okay. Okay. This is a podcast. We're here. Why do I have any levity in my voice? Because we're doing a podcast on probably one of the thorniest possible weeks for this thing. So I'm laughing at me. We don't have a great plan, but we have some, a little plan. Yeah. We have more plan than we usually do, but don't really have that much of a plan. Yeah, it's just a tough, it's a tough week all around. Um, the, This is the podcast, Yo, Is This Racist? This is the podcast yep. where we take your voicemails about racism and we answer them. Uh, first, we talk about current events. That phrase feels very flippant right now, but oh, God, unintentionally. Uh, I'm Tawny Newsom, that's Andrew T. And we got our producer, Kevin Bartelt. That's who's on the pod this week. If this is your first episode of this show, just, I don't know, try a different one. throw your phone in the ocean don't make this number one i or we want you to listen and we think you should listen to our podcast usually (laughs) but this is not a good place to start yeah we've just we discovered years ago that the line between you know the the line of, of having levity about you know serious issues which racism is we can be kind of good at like we're kind of good at being lighthearted and finding the funny while still honoring people's humanity and talking about serious things. This week, that just feels like too tall an order. It's a little outside of our, it's very much outside of my expertise. Well, I think that to the extent that there was a plan, we were talking a little bit beforehand in this week about, I should also say, we should also say, we are recording this prior to what seems like it's going to be a massive bombing and or ground invasion of Gaza. As we do not know what is happening in terms of the big military action. I don't really even know what to call it. But, you know, we're not like minute to minute news analysis. I'm very confident that all of the dynamics are going to be the same when this comes out. I'm not confident what the tone and tenor of how people are talking about this Mm -hmm. is going to be. I have my suspicions, but we don't know. So I don't know. I mean, I think the, 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 the thing that is like toughest with this podcast in terms of this happens like a lot, which is the like, I don't really want to say it. Like none of us are from communities affected by anti-Semitism. And I think moreover, like, I think, mostly looking at this from a perspective of people of color, largely we experience American Jews as white people. So that tends to affect like our, my, let's just say my, let me, I'm just saying a bunch of shit and I don't want to like rope these two into it in case I say something extremely wrong or stupid, but that, that tends to be my perception, which is generally not. Uh, I think even my like, like very left liberal leftist Jewish friends are like, no, seriously, you don't fucking understand what it's like. I don't know. But the thing that I guess struck me this week is how much like even those folks and a bunch of other more right wing Jewish folks were saying stuff that, okay. The the thing that from my experience that is relevant is like, it's so much like the stop Asian hate stuff that came up prominently about a year ago now, maybe a little less, something like that. 
which is like a power dynamic thing. Sorry, I'm just like speechifying, but without, I'm just like working through my thoughts. So please, I know I'm saying this is only me, but jump in if anyone wants. I don't know. I the the power dynamic thing is like the tough thing. Watching these people who have been um, had an injustice visited upon them immediately go to kind of like right wing authoritarian unjust measures to defend themselves or perceive to defend them or you know think they're defending themselves or retaliating has been very depressing. Yeah, I agree with that. It's mm-hmm. been yeah, it it's been very hard to watch one tragic act, you know, carried out by Hamas be turned into a, yeah, a really uh, terrifying, yeah, I don't, I don't have words because I, I feel ill-equipped to talk about it. I, the only thing I have to add is that um, what's been made clear to me, and I know people have talked about it and I kind of vaguely understood it, but didn't really until this particular, until this last week, Twitter was never a good source for <laughs> right. news. It, it never was. It, it was always imperfect. But what it did for me, who is a stupid person, but not the stupidest person, was it told me my sources and the journalists and people I trusted and wanted to follow, told me the publications that I largely trusted for certain things. And it helped me go look and find actual news. So it was like a little, you know, it was like it was like a, a it was like panning for gold a little bit. Like you'd get a bunch of trash and stuff, but you could kind of like look for your little nuggets. Mm-hmm. That is gone now. That is y- y- you already have to know who who you're who you're following and who you're listening to. Twitter is no longer the place. The 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 spread of disinformation is so wide is so huge now and is so pervasive and is so like undetectable if you're not yeah. Used to really looking at news and a lot of times when you know huge tragic events like this happen uh, suddenly it gets a lot of mainstream attention and then people who don't have a robust system for finding information I'm not saying, you know, you, people are stupid and their heads are in the sand. My head is definitely in the sand about a lot of issues, but sometimes it's not. So we all go through phases of being more engaged and if you don't have a robust system for finding trustworthy information, now is a very bad time to learn on that platform. Right. So uh, yeah. just be extremely, uh, even more vigilant than you ever were about sharing information on social media, including even just snippets of phrases that you've overheard about what side is doing what. And just so much of it is unverified and is just straight up lies you know yeah pictures of of gaza city being bombed labeled as israel like you know pictures of gazan civilians and citizens labeled as israelis that huge celebrities and huge accounts are just retweeting and saying pray for israel and you know some of it is definitely intentional and some of it is just dumb fuckery on a really broken platform so just yeah. be hyper, hyper vigilant about that stuff. Yeah. And I guess it is a little like to the extent that, yeah. I mean, the multiple things that I think are o- more obvious now to me than before, but are tough to like, uh, you know, Israel is not all, the Israeli government is not, doesn't speak for all Jewish people. <laughs> like, right. and tying, tying support for the Israeli government to, you know, just like 
supportive Jewish folks, or I guess I guess it's more prominent in that criticizing the Israeli government, which is about to do very likely, you know, it's crimes against humanity. I, you know, by the same token, it does seem like, but I guess I do not have super verified things that they are already committing, you know, things that are war crimes. Um, but, you know, I guess I don't know. Yeah, that, just this the whole like conflation of not, if you can't support, if you don't support Israel, you're anti-Semitic. Um, to that end, I think the thing that has been helpful is just reminding myself and also doing a thing that I feel like I really dislike when people do to me, which is checking in with like mm. my Jewish friends about like how this, like what is actually happening here? How do you actually feel about this? Um, or like reading pieces. I mean, so the one that I think um, like resonated and made sense to me um, was this piece on in N plus one by David Klein called Have We Learned Nothing? And it's, you know, just from the perspective of a Jewish person who does not support the um, actions, the imminent actions, you know, of uh, the Israeli government. It is also just, like, kind of interesting how we basically, I felt like we were just watching all of 9-11 and the aftermath happen in, like, four Mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. Which has been, like, there's an air of inevitability to it. Yeah, that has been, like, very distressing and depressing. Also, like, we are being a little, or not we, I am being a little cowardly, for sure. I feel like I've, like, picking my words, and I've seen so many people um, on both sides of this conflict with personal uh, stakes in this say things like, if you're being a coward, you're being, if you're being, you know, picking your words, you're being complicit in this. Which is sort of true, but at the same time, like, none of us have anything direct to say about this shit other than, I don't think retaliation is what governments do, like, or should be doing. Like, justice is what governments should do, look for. And, like, the balance of power is, to me, very clear. We're just kind of going back and forth or waffling now, or I am. No, it's just, um, it's just hard. Obviously, the targeting of civilians is, um, Never something that I thought I would have to, like, publicly condemn and say, yes, this is, uh, this is atrocious behavior. I, it feels wild to have to say that. Um, yeah. I think that all, all I can do, I've been taking comfort in really vetting my news sources. And, you know, right. I just want to encourage people to keep, don't look away, I guess is what I'm saying. Just because yeah. you can't find the exact right words to post in an infographic to your Instagram stories, yeah, what you can and should be doing is continuing to educate yourself every day of this, every day that this is going on, un- truly understand what is unfolding because that's the only way to <sighs> prevent something like this in the future is if more of us just have our eyes open at the terrible things that are being done. If you can't stop it, if you can protest, protest. But outside of that, at least the very, very least, the bare minimum is just having an understanding. Yeah. I mean, I guess in conjunction with that, even like our mainstream, at least tied to somewhat journalistic um, 
Western media tends to, not tends to, I think it's very openly, um, you know, does not report objectively on this. Um, it's, you know, many examples, and I'm sure it's just my side of Twitter or whatever, like pointing out like places like the AP and the New York Times, like using the same exonerative voice for the Israeli armed forces and not doing uh, the same for Hamas or pro-Palestinian, you know, pro in quotes, um, Palestinian actions. So there's also that. <laughs> like, it's, I, I think, like, and not to, like, raise these people to prominence, but I, I think that the, the thing that has been easiest for, um, you know, my, my brain to at least feel, like, understanding from is these sort of, like, um, not right-wing, not Zionist Jewish folks um, who are also being victimized in their own way. I know there was a, an anti-war protest, uh, I believe in Tel Aviv, where Jewish people were beaten mm -hmm. for, for suggesting that this is not something to do in their names. Um, honestly, yeah, it's, it, it is very just like the helplessness of the immediate aftermath of 9-11, feeling like this is going to happen. And I, it does feel very much like all the rest of the horrible aftermath is also going to happen. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, we also don't really like, it's not really clear what you can do for the people of most likely Gaza is, are going to need help. Um, I assume there will be some money, uh, ways to help that way. We don't currently, as far as I know, there doesn't seem like there's a great, um, clear front runner, but we'll try to post those on our social media or whatever when when it yeah. becomes more clear to us. But yeah, you know these people are under siege by a government that has complete power over them. Um, okay, this fucking um, sucks in a necessary way. I don't think I have anything, or did I ever have anything smart to add? Well, we felt like we should say something and it's fucking hard to say it. Um, and yeah. this is at least where we're coming from. And we understand we ask uh, our listeners, especially our white listeners, to do a version of this fucking constantly. So we get that it's hard. Yeah, just stay informed. It feels so empty, but just, you know. Yeah, I think those are reasonable minimums of just what you got to do. All right. All right. This wasn't fun. This probably wasn't that helpful, but this is what we needed to say. Is there anything else? Not to not that everyone's all fucking looking to jump in, but no. Thank you for yeah. spearheading most of that. Um, I think we all should right. take a little break, and then yeah. when we come back from that break, we will get to sadly the thing we are good at, which is gently making fun of your voicemails about racism, just interpersonal racism, because mm -hmm. these small. These, these systems are too fucked. Racism. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll see you in right. a second. Yep. Whew. We're back. We back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. I will also say, I didn't, I feel like this week's voicemails are not particularly, like I didn't select them really with an eye towards the situation. So we're just going to do our thing. Well, it's, I was thinking about that when I didn't listen to ahead, ahead of time, but when you sent them earlier, I thought, well, either he tried to keep in tone with this tricky episode 
Or yeah. he tried to just not so that we could have a different yeah. energy in the second I'm half. I'm sure. We'll see. It's probably not. Hey, Andrew, Tommy, Kevin, potential guest. Um, in regards to Joey Cliff's episode that you guys just released where he was talking about the Tarn race in World of Warcraft, which are obviously an allegory for Native peoples, um, I actually have kind of a separate question that ties into this, and I'm curious. I'm reading and watching uh, Interview with the Vampire and also the Castlevania Nocturne series, and they don't do this exactly, but there are instances where a vampire is a slave owner. And in Interview with the Vampire, he's a human first, and I'm talking more on a generic level. So I guess my question is, in fantasy and sci-fi, obviously a lot of things are supposed to be allegories for real-world things. Politics is an X-Men, it's, you know, civil rights, that sort of thing. So I guess the question is, how do you feel about, like, taking someone like Hitler but turning him into a demon, taking all these human slave owners and making them vampires? Like, on one hand, it's the allegory, but on the other hand, to me, it feels a little weird because it's removing the human element from the atrocity that's committed, and I don't know. Like, I'm kind of torn, and maybe it's a case-by-case basis, but I'm just curious on your opinion. Thanks. Oh, yes. This is a very good and nuanced question. This one was good. And also, I think it's one where you and I might disagree. Oh, I'm curious. Okay, you should go first. Because I think, as someone who has very little, like, personal ties to anything, but very little, (laughs) like, personal, like, yeah, I guess, like, gut like either passion or enthusiasm for like anything um sci-fi i just think that the whole genre to me is so predicated on you know essentially like like the clumsiest versions of race often race almost always race i guess x-men is more supposed to be a Um, allegory for uh, homosexuality. But it's just this thing where it's like, it never really, the lessons don't really work because you've extracted it, abstracted it to like, Klingons be like this. (laughs) Um, And you just kind of accept that. And then it's like, oh, but it's unfair for this and that. And that just always, I'm like, uh, it's so reductive that, I I guess what I mean is like, there are so many like racist Star Trek fans or so many homophobic X-Men fans that I'm like, it doesn't work. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it isn't good, but I'm saying the allegory part doesn't land so often that I do kind of think, what's the point? I know I'm biased, but I do... I mean, first of all, I don't know shit about vampire stuff, and I take sure. <laughs> I take umbrage with calling that sci-fi. I think that's more fantasy. Sure. Um, sci-fi slash I, fantasy slash anything with different sentient races that all behave one way. Anything with, like, different <laughs> rules. Right. Yeah. I do think, though, that I know I'm biased, but I do think that Star Trek has worked harder than those other things you've mentioned, those other franchises, to really make clear the position of the franchise about things like race, whether it's laid over onto an alien or whether they're actually talking about humans 
to push more of those bigoted fans out. Mm -hmm. Like those fans get shouted out of Star Trek faster and more consistently than they do out of any Marvel shit, any Star Wars shit, for sure. Like it's just, and I know that because as we write the shows, there's never a question, there's never even a hint of like, well, we don't want to alienate half the, no, everyone right. at HQ is on board with like, no, 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 fucking alienate those people. Yeah, trans rights, 100%. I don't even know what it would look like to work there and have anyone, <laughs> you know, allow any sort of, any of that. So the bigots that stick around as fans, I often find are holding on to clumsier expressions of race that were mostly created in the 60s that then the shows in the 90s were trying to honor or retcon or fix and still did it kind of fucked up but like we're not really grabbing new racists with the new shows and that is because i think a lot of people are just coming around to your point there, there can't be we have a lot of discussions about like this cannot be a, a, uh, the race cannot be monolithic. It cannot be like Klingons be doing this and Ferengis love money. Like you, yeah, we just can't do that anymore. And that's a, that's an active conversation. Do you think that's new as in, as in like when they were doing the original Star Trek, it doesn't feel like that. I mean, I guess no, they, th- that was a hundred percent what it was in the original Star Trek was like, oh, really? it was no, no, that's what I'm saying is you're right. It was just oh, yeah, like, yeah. Klingons yes. be warriors and, you know, yeah. Ferengis love money. Um, even in the 90s, like, yeah. the Ferengis had a whole... Oh, you watch Next Generation Ferengis, those are really, really terrible uh, <laughs> stereotypes. They're really, really bad. Yeah. So yeah. that that was what Deep Space Nine did, was that it completely... It had to completely shift how we see those characters. It gave them whole, you know, it gave them a lot right. more dimension. And still didn't do it all exactly right. But anyway, sorry. That's my Star Trek diatribe. <laughs> Star Trek in the 60s probably had, weirdly, they were like better about actual race than fake alien races. Yes. Yes, they were <laughs> better about bizarre. humans. Because the premise of Star Trek was, even back in the 60s, you know, during massive civil rights upheaval, this is why it was Martin Luther King Jr.'s favorite show, it was literally like, okay, human race stuff, that's all in the past. We don't worry about that anymore. So we'll just take all of our prejudices and things and put them on aliens. And a lot of times it was for allegory. You know, there's an episode called Let That Be Your Last Battlefield where the whole episode is these guys that have half their face is black and half of it is white are fucking warring with each other. And it's just a planet of black and white cookie face people that are just mad at each other. And the Enterprise is like, <laughs> we got to get you guys to stop fucking killing each other. Also why are you killing each other? You're the same. And they're like, no, he's of a different kind. And everyone's like, you guys got the same half and half face. And by the end of the episode, you realize that the, on one side, their faces are black on the right side and white on the left. And the other people they're fighting against have opposite black and white faces. So it's just like a thing to point point out the arbitrary, you know, how, how hate is so arbitrary and meaningless. So to do that in, you know, 1968 or whatever the fuck was groundbreaking commentary on race. Right, 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 right. You can't really get away with shit like that today. Like, you have to be smarter about, you know, like... I guess it's like kind of the discussions with the eras, which is like, that is like kind of the best, not the best, but the best like 
mainstream opinion on race you could get away with was like you know e-racism i don't see race kind of like right level level of stuff um and the emptiness not the emptiness but the flaws in that have you know become evident as more people of color have been able to speak more and people's experiences mm-hmm. are broader but like yeah i guess the allegories land better in star trek because the creators are out there saying stuff i mean it is a little bit like you know, um, the, uh, you know, uh, another show that you are, have some connection to, which is like all the like fr- fans of the boys who were like, mm-hmm. Oh, that guy's a Nazi. That was my favorite guy. <laughs> I wish I don't understand. Again, I don't understand how you watch the first two seasons of that show and not the first season even, but I think that's, that is to me the like prime example though, of the weakness of allegory. <laughs> Well, <laughs> allegory does assume that you are smart and, you know, uh, it, uh, socially, emotionally inquisitive. And so it kind of can't, without dumbing down your writing. I know. It's hard, I know. But, yeah. but the other thing you can do is alongside your allegory is in plain language, shout down those bigoted points of view. Yeah. And that is, that's why... I do think that Star Trek fares better because in addition to saying, yeah, the Orions don't really own slaves anymore, blah, blah, blah. Like in in addition to talking about it as an allegory with the aliens, there are also characters in the show saying, hey, can you please use they, them pronouns? That feels more comfortable for me. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, we just need to say out loud the the point of view of this franchise is one of progressive values. I think it is like sometimes a little depressing as a writer to need to do that, but I think it absolutely is the case. You're just like, sometimes you just have to say it. Yeah, you gotta just put it in the fabric of the text so that nobody can hide behind, you know, it's all all those right-wing fans that think they're the resistance and that liberals are the stormtroopers. It's like, well, I blame Star Wars for not making really fucking clear who the stormtroopers are. Yeah. (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) I can't even start. I don't know enough about Star Wars to even start. But so to answer this person's question, I think the whole like, oh, the vampires are slave owners shit. It just feels like holdover that that no one's updating because vampire shit is so like old. So it just feels like they're not updating. Right. This is also a thing that I think like to get into more familiar territory for us, the Hollywood of it, which is like, I think like people like, you know, as probably should be no surprise to people listening, um, though there is a lot more diversity than there used to be. um, The, you know, the class of showrunners is still overwhelmingly like white folks, men. Mm -hmm. And, but they, you know, I think they have a sense that these are things that should be like, the vampire owners or vampires were slave owners thing seems like a thing where like someone pitched it and they're like, yeah, I guess that's true. And then did it really have the juice or desire or wherewithal to actually make it mean something? Mm-hmm. It's just like the like appearance of this is meaningful, but mm-hmm. probably the reality is it's like, what do you really got? Yeah. You know? What are you trying to say? Yeah. And did you Yeah, did you need to say it? <laughs> yeah, and was it a smart thing to say in the first place? Yeah. Right. It's like 
I think that to me is the kind of like, I'm like, uh, uh. also like anything, this is my controversial hot take. Anything f- from like now on from 2023 on, probably from like 2010 on maybe from 2000. I'm just like anything that has slaves in it or slavery in it. I'm like, wh- why? Tr- why do you think that we still need to have, are you still, are you still having the the discussion? Or is this a teachable moment for someone that you think is watching your show that slavery equals bad? Is that, right. is that really, or did you put it in there because there was something exotic about it for you? Is it torture porn? Is it a weird, yeah. like, is it tragedy porn? Is it hard work porn of like seeing black people claw their way up out of the whatever? Truly why? Yeah. That's my question. When you think I'm going to make yeah. X and Y character a slave owner, just ask yourself why. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a little bit like we're at the like window dressing of justice without Oof. But I guess that's what Hollywood is also on Oof. some level. Yeah. And it is certainly better than the opposite asterisk most of the time. Yeah. We are really what an episode. Don't if this is still your first episode, there's more fun shit elsewhere. We're, Why we're, didn't you listen to us early when we said we tried to tell you and yeah, find believe else. us. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think the allegories, yeah, maybe maybe well, I'm at your point of view, which is like, or yeah, necessary but insufficient. Like you need to unfortunately you have to say it or mm-hmm. else things won't work. And I okay. What about what about this idea of like on some level like having I don't know to me the boys is such a like prominent example of this just like having these like essentially Nazi fans but then kind of like sticking it to them sort of at some point is like fun and creative or I don't know about fun but it's like what else are you gonna do creatively blah blah blah. But then you are also sort of benefiting from these horrible people. I know. I guess I just, I do feel like the boys did what I'm talking about. They put a literal Nazi in there and they were like, this is who you're rooting for? She is a Nazi. Like, it wasn't allegory. (laughs) So I'm like, how were they then surprised? Because the big thing was like, they were like surprised season three that, you know, they felt like it had gone woke or whatever. And I'm like, no, the villain of season two, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. I'm not involved in that show. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I usually, you just know enough people in it that I'm like, oh, this is, I felt like just bringing it up without, yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what was the right thing to do ever. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just that like audiences are unfortunately a little obtuse by and large. Racists are fucking stupid that see themselves in everything. So, I'm not saying I have a better solution, but I think the al maybe it's this. It's that this allegory stuff is good, but it doesn't it's not the dunk you think it is. Right. And maybe there's and, a better way to do it. Yeah, and it's it is um it it lacks teeth in a way that you know, it's not that every other sentence you got to be saying by the way, racism is bad, blah blah blah. Like there are artful ways to do it, but it it cannot be the only way you communicate to your audience what your show or franchise's moral compass is, what your mm-hmm. what your values are. That cannot be the only way anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? We, we kind of did it. We can do one we more voicemail, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Hi, Tony, Andrew, and Kevin. Uh, so I recently downloaded a free program to compose music on my laptop. Uh, the program gives you a large selection of instruments for playback. And those instruments are separated into little categories to help you choose. The categories oh, no, mostly have names that you would expect, like brass <laughs> instruments, lead instruments, string instruments. But there's one category that's just named ethnic. Um, I rolled my eyes when I first saw it because I figured it was a placeholder category for instruments that have nothing in common with each other, but they were all lumped together because the people who designed this software don't know what they are. Um, and I, I was half right. The ethnic category, it did include a bunch of African and Asian instruments that are typically not played in Western music, like sitar, kalimba, koto, shanghai. Um, but the ethnic category also included the banjo, the bagpipe, and the fiddle. And those three really threw me off. And because, like, I know that the banjo was invented in Africa and the bagpipe was invented in the Middle East, but somehow I doubt that the people who designed this free software knew that. I think they just included them in the ethnic category because those instruments, at least in modern times, are largely associated with white artists. Um, and same thing with the fiddle, because that's just a violin. You call it a fiddle when you play country or bluegrass which are genres typically dominated by white artists. Anyway, uh, my question is, <laughs> what do you guys think of using the word ethnic to categorize anything? Um, and does it then make it any better to include things that are ethnically white? Uh, sorry for the long <laughs> call of a show. <laughs> this is fascinating. Um... Wait, well, okay, so you, you, did you, did you, you guys are both way more music people than I do. Is this a piece of software that you guys know about? Oh, no, but it's just such a oh. common way to categorize things. I thought it was going to be like, you know, uh, chimes from the Orient or something like right. that. So the fact that it's an even bigger catch-all is not surprising to me. <laughs> it's just like uh, others, other people. Miscellaneous. <laughs> yeah, it's not from here. And then... Mm. And then weirdly, someone also threw in, you know, the bagpipes and stuff being like, well, maybe it's just like instruments associated with specific cultural music. Right. Which is like, okay. Is it just like non-symphonic? Like, the thing that kills me is like, we already have genres of music. Like, that is <laughs> the way you can categorize. Like, there, there could be a bluegrass pack, and that's where you get your fiddle. You yeah. know, like w there can be, <laughs> there could be Highland music pack and that's where you get your bagpipe or whatever. Like we don't need, yeah, it's just weird to be like, this is the ethnic section. Right. Like it's a, like it's the specialty foods in a cost plus world market. Right. Well, cause it has to be, my guess would be, it just started like, it was just other that, that like pack. It was called yeah. Other for so long. And then someone was like, we got to give this a name. And they're like, I don't know, ethnic. And, and that's yeah. to me the, it, like, the, the part that's like, oh, right, should probably be examined is the reflexive way that Western American English speaking places, you know, just consider everything else, everything that's other, quote, ethnic. Right. Right. Yeah. Because like, yeah. 
And then bagpipes were just a victim of that. <laughs> bagpipes were a victim. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it's just cl- so clearly a an American-centric piece of software. Yeah. Because if you download that software in, you know, in Kenya or something, you got to go looking for your, you know, <laughs> your, your traditional instruments that are commonplace for where you live. You got to go yeah. look in the other... That's not ethnic to me. I think maybe that's it. Is that ethnic is so like Euro America centric? Yeah. And that's why it feels icky and racist, even when some of those things include like more American than most American shit, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, a viola. Oh. Yeah. I I think so. Maybe that's it. It's that like ethnic is just. It's always a creepy catch all. Yeah. Main mainstream white people are another are never ethnic, and that that should tell you everything. Right. I guess I don't have a lot to say about that software thing because I guess I'm just so fundamentally unsurprised. <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, right. of course. I'm glad it wasn't called like you know. I, I truly am glad it wasn't called like Sounds of the Orient or like you know. <laughs> uh, truly, just some bizarre Arabian Nights or whatever, and you're like, God, I really want this. I really want a guitar sound, but I got to go in the Arabian Nights fucking folder. I feel like you're just like reading the whiteboard that they had at the the software development (laughs) place. And they're like, "Mm, we'll go with ethnic. We're going to go with ethnic. That maybe is the other side of it is ethnic surely was the least offensive version they used here. (laughs) Yeah, great point. Great point. (laughs) Yeah, They Um, renamed that a few times before it left beta. And they're like, yeah. Thank God we were, we we won the argument. We just called it ethnic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, I I think you know. Again, who the fuck even knows by the time this comes out what you're going yeah. to be listening to, what kind of world we're in. But I guess that's the other side of this is this is like podcasts can be an ongoing conversation, and yeah. Everything I said that was wrong or offensive to you, only I said it. Not not these two. <laughs> well, okay. and, and like everything I said, we are not the news. We are people like you trying to navigate um, really, really big feelings and a lot of, you know, hurt and empathy. And we uh, urge you to find your trusted sources to get yeah. your information. Yeah. And ask yourself what does this person have to gain from saying this? Um, yes. And go from there. All right. Well, you know, happy second episode, somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, 323-389-7223 uh, to leave your voicemails. Thank you for the interesting voicemails this week. Um, and is that it? That's it. Peace. That's it. Thanks. This is Sebastian.